Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Jessica. Welcome to Clue Done It, the podcast where we make wild guesses about fake TV crimes. Without any clues, context, or apparently accuracy. All right, let's find out. Who was right. Who was wrong. And who is dead. Somebody who studied the law on our podcast. <laughs> no, no, I'm pretty sure they they just be all like, it's all wrong. <laughs> Every second of it is wrong. But it could be fun. It could be fun. Yes, it could be fun. And I wonder how. I don't wonder how. You're a lawyer. <laughs> I was. You're you're not a lawyer. I was gonna say. I wonder how lawyers live with themselves and are comfortable with the fact that like they're consultants for these shows, and yet the shows get it all wrong all the time. Oh. Like, how do lawyers <laughs> live with themselves? And I'm just like, they're a lawyer. They learn how to live with themselves a long with time ago. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, that is not where I thought that was going. <laughs> oh well, there you go. Happy to happy to surprise and delight you. <laughs> But where are we going this week, Ms. Heard? So this episode, we are watching Private Eyes. We're going north of the border. <laughs> yes, to Canada. Canada. Private what? Eyes are uh, watching you. <laughs> Hall and Oates will now be in your head all week long. <laughs> Look it up. It's so much fun. <laughs> uh, they have somebody else covering the song for this show. Yes. Uh, but it is a Hall and Oates song. Yes, but it is a Hall and Oates song, and it's it's so great. And it it's totally a lot does of fun. Get in it totally sets the mood. Yeah. So, Private Eyes, show logline. Hit me. Former. Okay, I've got two. Okay. Because I, this happens. Like, sometimes they write one, it's right, it's nice, like, elevator. It's even shorter than, like, getting to a floor. Right. And then there's another one where you're like, that's actually better. I like that. Okay. Okay. So, short and sweet. Former professional hockey player Matt Shade partners with Private Eye Angie Everett to solve crimes around Toronto. I like that. And you know what I really, I, one of the things I really like about this show. What's that? The names. Oh, I know. They do really Matt good with it. Shade. Matt Shade. Like, uh, Anglo-Saxon direct and <laughs> boom. And then Angie Everett. Like, a little bit fancier, a little bit more feminine, a little more syllables on it, but still just, pungent's the wrong word, but punchy. It's punchy. It does. It has those T's and a V, and which has G, some verb. And G, Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, lots of just, like, lots of strength in both of those names. Yes. So, yes, And then strength. her daughter's name is, the like, the Jules. wife's name is his daughter's daughter's jewels which come on like that's yeah. just like you you automatically know that she's valuable and how much he values her yes and becca like becca's his ex-wife and that's just like you just you can't say that without sounding explosive and confrontational yeah yeah so little um, becky little becky <laughs> So, you know, the, like the names are really solid on the show. I really like it. Good job to, uh, I'm presuming they chose the names, they took the names right from the novel. I'm assuming they didn't change well, the names. Well, they from did. The, see, that makes As sense. As it turns out. Yes. His name in the novel was Brad Shade. Oh, so they did, oh, no, I'm sorry. They did yes. change the names. Yes. Oh. They did. Okay, so in case we in case we lost you on this, the show Private Eyes is based on a book of novels, a mystery novel. A series novels. of novels. One, well, it's actually, I don't know what the other, the content of this other two novels are in mm -hmm. the series, but the first one is called The Code, and it is covering the Brad, no, you're right, all three of the books that there's in the series are called the Brad Shade series, mystery yeah. series. Brad. See, nope, Matt. Matt's a better name. Well, I don't know. 
I really? was thinking when I was reading, you know, doing the research mm-hmm. for this, I was thinking, oh, Brad is much more of like a hockey player name to me for some reason. Oh, okay. Brad Shade. Yep, nope, Doesn't nope. that just sound like you would somebody you would see in a headline? Brad sounds like a hockey name, but I don't know that Shade sounds like a yeah, hockey Shade name. Yeah, Shade definitely sounds like a novel. It's inspired by the novel The Code by G.B. Joyce or Gare Joyce. You can look him up. We'll talk about him later. But sure. Yeah. So Brad... Brad or Matt. I'm going to go with Matt. Yeah. Matt and Angie. Okay, but we, we still haven't gotten to the second log oh, line yeah. yet. So okay. what is the second log so line? So this is the big reveal, people, if you didn't know this already. The original crime-solving series, Private Eyes, is a 10-episode procedural drama that follows ex-pro hockey player Matt Shade, Jason Priestley, dun, dun, dun. who irrevocably changes his life when he decides to team up with the fierce P.I. Angie Everett played by Cindy Sampson, to form an unlikely investigative powerhouse. Through their new partnership, Shade is forced to examine who he has become and who he wants to be. Ongoing episodes find Shade and Angie investigating high-stakes crimes in the worlds of horse racing, fine dining, Ah. Toronto's vibrant hip-hop scene, scandalous literature, (gasps) magic clubs, and more. And more. And that's where we get to today. It's yeah. a lot of fun. It is. It really is. It's a comedy crime drama. They, there you, you go. You Put that on your already. bingo cards. Yeah. Comedy and, crime drama. Yeah. And it... We uh, like us some comedic crime. Yes. It's so much fun. And it's crime. Not necessarily murder. Right. Sometimes yes. Sometimes yeah, murder. No, okay. Yeah, but, yeah. You're right. But but a lot of times it's just crime. Yeah. Uh, but it, there's, there's a whodunit. Yes. Maybe, maybe not a who killed it, but definitely a whodunit. Yeah. We're watching it on Apple TV. We bought it. Uh, we did. This not, is, these are the brag. These it's are the sacrifices we make for you, dear listeners. <laughs> yes. We bought a show. We bought a season of TV that we will enjoy. Yes. Yeah. So we are on season one. We watched the pilot in the first few episodes. Yeah. And, Lots of fun. And uh, we're going to do the, the, the final the episode fin- of the, the, se- season, the season finale. Season finale yeah. Episode 10. And it's called Family Jewels. So the, the idea is... Is that Matt Shade, Jason Priestley, was a player for the IPHL, the International Players Hockey League. It's the big leagues, essentially, in hockey because this is Canada and hockey is the thing. So he was in the IPHL, but somehow just got, I don't say he got caught up in a bad crowd, but somehow he got a little lazy, started taking shortcuts, and eventually just kind of washed out of the league and was trying to find his way back in. He turned into a scout, and he was a scout for a player, and his very first mystery in the pilot is that this player that he's trying to bring up and get to the IPHL almost dies of a heart attack on the ice, and he has to figure out who tried to kill his young player. That hooks him up with Angie. They become a kind of like... They're not really a Bickerson. Like, they fight, no. and there's, like, there's not really conflict between them, but there's definitely heat between them. Yes. It's that whole and kind he, of will they, won't they. So there's Jason Priestley. Right. He plays Matt Shade, the Shade, P.I. Yeah. Angie. Or Brad Shade, whichever, whoever you're going with. Hashtag Matt Shade, ride or die. <laughs> Angie Everett is played by Cindy Sampson. Don Shade, who is Matt Shade's dad, right. who lives in his house, lives in his in basement, house, in the basement um, in the is played unit. by Barry Flatman. And then there's uh, Jules Shade. Oh, actually, it's not short for Julie. Her name is Jules. J-U-L-E-S. 
Jewel Shade, played by Jordan Negri. And a, a little small fact about her is that she has a degenerative macular, macular degeneration. Macular yeah. de- degeneration. So she uh, walks with a cane and can see can see shapes and things so she can get around, but she's otherwise she's uh, legally, bl- blind. legally blind. She's legally blind. And she is not an actress who is also legally blind. She is playing a person who is legally oh, blind. Oh, okay. That was a, yeah. I did have that question. I was curious about that. Yeah. And then Curtis Mazhari is a cop who is played by Ennis Esmer. He's great. And then there's also, as we were saying might have been saying Derek Nolan who is a detective and he and Angie have a, a thing they're sleeping on together on again off again thing yeah, yeah. It, it, but, but it's it's weirdly but really, casual yeah yeah and Curtis um police person Curtis Mazzari is homicide detective oh is he a homicide oh, detective yeah, he's a too homicide. Oh, so yeah. they're both detectives mm-hmm. okay so he but anyway Curtis so Angie is always telling him that the girls he dates are bad for him. And so you're also, you also well, not, get the feeling that... Is that Curtis or Masrazi that she tells? Curtis. Curtis Masrazi. Oh, okay. I got confused as to names there. Derek Nolan Derek is, Nolan the, is one the one she's sleeping, sleeping with. with. She has Curtis a casual... is the one who has the bad... Okay. Uh, has bad relationships with women. And got she's it. constantly like, no, he, she's bad for you. She's bad for you. She's and honestly, they are bad for him. <laughs> but you can tell that they're setting her up to be surrounded by really great, attractive men. Oh, and yeah. so as an audience member who likes men, <laughs> there's a lot to look at. <laughs> you got your Jason Priestley. You got your hot cop number one. You got your hot cop number two. Yes. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Angie's no slouch either. Like she's she's a lot of fun to watch oh, as well. Oh, yeah. I, yes. Yeah. She, if you yeah. like the ladies... She is great to look at. And if you like the chemistry, they have undeniable chemistry. Like like Matt and Angie in the show, like they do. They just have really great chemistry. Yeah. And Barry Flatman is, I bet, I haven't found pictures of him as a young man, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure he was uh, a looker as well. And as an older man, I bet he's a very charming older man. Oh, for all our demographics, yes. He's very, very charming. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Great, great, great. Yeah. Good to know. I want to say, like, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna fall in love with anything in this episode, though, I really wanted to fall in love with Canada. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, I haven't even told you what the logline is for this episode. Oh, tell me the logline for the episode. So this again, it's called Family Jewels. Here's the logline: A brazen jewelry heist throws Shade and Angie into the wild world of weddings and forces them to. Go undercover as an engaged couple in love. Uh, Season finale. What's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 And we, I mean, we started watching this show because our friend Patricia, shout yes. out Patricia, was in is in love with this show. Well, she's in love with Canada in general. So yes. like she keeps sending us all of these Canadian shows to watch, <laughs> which are fabulous. But this yeah. just happened to be the first one on the list. And so I, like we're looking at this. It's all about love. Like I want to fall in love with Toronto as well. Like yes. can we just like I just want to I want to like really dig in and just like stroll through the streets of Toronto and like eat popcorn and laugh and flirt with Canada and just be like, <laughs> oh, you. Well, I, okay. One of the first things I want to say about this is, and I was going to mention this earlier, but they have all the men, but Jason Priestley, of course, dressed 
so sharp. I don't even know what the best <laughs> word is for that because I don't know a whole lot about men's fashion. But holy crap. Like she shows up in like an Eddie Bauer jacket with like some scarf that's mm-hmm. like around her neck. And she's got beautiful hair. She's beautiful face, beautiful body or whatever. But he shows up in this like mid-thigh length camel hair coat <laughs> and a full like this super trim beautiful suit and his hot tie he always i mean all of them all the all the men they look so great all the time well, derek's character is constantly saying how he's always got gucci suits yes, all the time yes and he i mean on a cop salary but i guess <laughs> that's canada. what he spends his money on they pay their civil servants well in canada i guess yeah So that's one of the things that I would fall in love with, Toronto, (laughs) is all of the beautiful winter wear on men. (laughs) And I also think that all the shots, the city shots. The city shots are gorgeous. Oh, my God. Like, no wonder they – well, wait a minute. Did they shoot Monk in Toronto or in Vancouver? Vancouver. Vancouver. Because there are some shots that look straight out of San Francisco, just without Mm -hmm. hills. And then there are streetcars also in Toronto. They really do. Like, they, <gasps> really do like, they really do like showing the streetcars in the public transportation. Oh my gosh. Like, it's not just like they do the whole thing that every other show does where they get like the big helicopter or drone shots over the city where the lights are kind of candy coated and it looks like it kind of tilt shift. Everything looks slightly toy like. But then yeah. they also are they're really big on like showing you the fronts of buses as they like go through the, not buses light rail as it like goes yeah. through the town. It, yeah. Those streetcars. The streetcars are, are great. The, yeah. It's just, it's a beautiful looking show. Yeah. And oh, he has a Porsche, this gray, silver. Silver, silver gray Porsche, Porsche. Yeah. Like chrome. Vintage. Pri- vintage. Vintage is a vintage Gorgeous. Porsche. Gorgeous. Yeah. But, by so the way, pretty. vintage in this case means like early 80s. <laughs> That's an 80s? Yeah. Are you sure? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> it looks older. Like... Uh, but I claim, I claim my male <laughs> privilege of knowing cars that that is what it is. <laughs> I think you're going to have to look that up again. <laughs> I, I also call on all the men listening to this, back me up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well... take, take my back. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> Don't expose me in front of the ladies. No, no. Yeah, so this is a, this is going to have a lot, I a think. A lot of love. We're going to have a lot, lot of love, love in this episode. Of, I, I want to also say in terms of location, there are two things that are sure. funny about this show. One, Toronto is playing Toronto. Which <laughs> Hallelujah. Which never happens, apparently, <laughs> in TV. Toronto is always standing in for some other city, right. like New York or San Francisco. So that's really funny. And then another thing is that Google Earth has actually caught her, her what do you call it, her her PI office. Yeah. They're, they put signage up on an actual street. And you can see it on Google Earth. The, it, it caught when they like when you when you when go to the street view. Yeah, have when a, street view, it has her the signage up on the building where they. That shot. is fantastic. So wait a minute. Does that mean that this is just really a documentary? <laughs> Jacob. All right. Well, that, let's let's dive in. Let's do it. Ontario. She's ours to discover, and we're gonna love her. We'll be back with some guesses. <laughs> see you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, before we start our guesses portion of the podcast, Mm -hmm. first I want to thank all of the dudes out there who did not turn me in with the Porsche, and (laughs) then I I want to say that the internet is a terrible, 
terrible thing. It may be the scourge of all mankind. And by that, I do mean mankind, because before (laughs) we had even sat down to watch the show, Jessica had looked up what year that Porsche was. And you probably remember that I said it was somewhere in the 80s. Jessica was not convinced. (laughs) Jessica, tell everybody what you learned from that betrayer, the internet. I learned from the Googles (laughs) that... On Private Eyes, Matt Shade, played by Jason Priestley, drives a silver 1969 Porsche 911T. <laughs> That's right. 1969, much earlier than the 80s. <laughs> yes. I was looking at it. I was like, That's very vintage car. It's, it has a, you know, that shape that, mm-hmm. that, yeah, it has like a 60s, 70s. Fair enough. Like it looks like uh, Avengers type era avengers meaning the british yes the, the british, british avengers, avengers show, sorry not, not like I the marvel watched, avengers yeah not the marvel. diana rigg not, yes. not scarlett johansson <laughs> yeah yeah exactly sorry. anyways <laughs> thank you for that clarification <laughs> but ju- just as the time between the 60s and 80s went by in a blink this teaser went by in a blink yes how do you like that transition that was a smooth Good transition job. thank you very Segway. much <laughs> and 25 seconds. Uh, just the way I like it. A nice short <laughs> teaser with the crime up front and two suspects that aren't going to be it. But that's what we've got. <laughs> yes, it's true. So the show starts with Jason Priestley. I'm just going to call him Matt. Okay. The show starts with Matt getting dressed in a very dapper white shirt, again, with the good-looking gentleman in yes. the show. And he's there with his daughter, Jules, and Jules is picking out cufflinks for him. And Becca comes in. Becca, his ex-wife, comes in and is like, hey, what's going on? And J- Matt is like, well, I have to be a backup wedding date for Angie. Which, let's be honest here, have any of you ever actually gone as a backup date like, has a coworker I mean, ever called me. you up and just been like, hey, I need a backup date to this wedding. Can you come with me? I mean, unless you're planning on there being more than just coworkers. I think that they're, yeah, I mean, maybe not, okay, maybe not a coworker, but I think friends do that all the time. Oh, yeah. I can absolutely see that. I can, but I mean, technically, she's his boss. You're right. This is really this, sexual I mean, somebody needs to get bad. Somebody needs to get HR involved. Yes. Oh, wait, she's HR too. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. This, this. Small business. This will not. <laughs> small business. Anyways, yes, he's getting ready for a wedding. Becca clearly has something to talk to him about, but it can wait. He and Jules have a fun little father-daughter time. He gets dressed, walks into the wedding Walks into the wedding reception is the next shot we see. Clearly the wedding has already taken place because the bride and groom are having their first dance as a married couple. It's very sweet. Jason Priestley walks in. I said I was going to call him Matt, and yet here I am still calling him Jason Priestley. Matt walks in. He's looking all like debonair. And then Angie walks in in a red dress. Yeah. Kabam. Yeah. Like they even hang a lantern on it. He's like, this suit is a six, but that dress is a ten. And so she is flaunting it and she thanks him for being there. And they're like, yeah, that's nice, but uh, we don't really need to dance right now. Let's go grab a drink. So they go and grab a drink at the bar and they talk about just how high class her cousin is. So the wedding is between Angie's cousin, Christy, and her husband, her new husband, Robert. And they're so high class that even the rail drink is like expensive liquor. Mm -hmm. They're at the bar. Matt says, hey, Angie, your mother's here. Which, of course, of course she is because it's, it's, a, cousin. A, it's a cousin. It's a family wedding. Yeah. But 
Angie and her mother do not have the best relationship. Angie's mother yeah. was apparently a horrible mother, a uh, bit of a con. And what well, not it? bit. She is a con woman. Fair and enough. She has been doing all sorts of nefarious things. Yeah, and was not sort a good along mother. The li- along the lines of Frankie Drake. Well, that's what I wanted to bring up. I was like, yeah. what is this with like Canadian women and their mothers? Like they're just yeah. like this. <laughs> is this something we should find out about all Canadian women? Like it, well, you get married, you have kids and Canadian women, you all become like con artists. What happened? Yeah. What happened, Canada? What national trauma are you working through? <laughs> But then it raises very responsible daughters. Right? They raise good detectives. (laughs) (laughs) In my head canon now, Frankie Drake is like the great, great, great grandmother of Angie now. Oh. There's like a few generations. Like we can can make that line happen. We'll make that line happen. Angie and Matt are at the bar. Matt says your mother's still here. Angie and her mother are still angry with each other for a previous case that had to do with horse racing that I honestly fell asleep in the middle of. Jessica can tell you how that ended. (laughs) But they were supposed to get together for coffee and the mother stood her up. So there's still some bad blood. But the mother comes over and wants to make things right. She says, I have a present for you. And Angie's having none of it. She just keeps insulting her and insulting her. And while she's insulting her, the wedding photographer shows up. And the wedding photographer is like, hey, let's get a picture of the beautiful ladies together. Smile. Angie's mother smiles. Angie does not smile. The photographer says, I'll make sure you get a copy of the photo. And he walks away. And then Angie just continues to insult her mother. And finally, her mother, very hurt, says, I expect you to be angry. I didn't expect you to be mean. And she's cruel. Thank you. And she storms off in a huff. Mm. And then Angie's like, forget about her. Let's go say hi to the married couple. So she and Matt go out to say hi to Christy and Robert. They have a great little round of introductions. And then Christy's like, I really need some help going to the bathroom. Angie, you're coming upstairs with me to help me get out of this dress. Mm -hmm. So they go upstairs to the hotel room where Christy and Rob are staying. And it's a very swank hotel. Again, these people are loaded. And in the room, they see that, oh, look at this picture. Isn't this nice? The photographer has already dropped off the very first photo of them as a couple. So they have their very first couple of them as an old married couple. And just after she notices that, she notices that the safe has been broken into and that her tiara is gone. Her jeweled tiara is missing. Oh, no. Who stole it? That's our mystery. What have you got? Yeah. So there are a couple of little clues that you didn't mention. Sure. Of course. So I'm not sure you even saw them. So please do tell. Yeah. So one thing that happened was that Matt notices that Nora, the mom, Mm -hmm. Angie's mom, her shirt, she's wearing this glamorous and, if I might say so, White House Black Market. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Very much, yes. 2018. Uh, her, her shirt was not zippered all the way up. Mm-hmm. So then he, she's, oh, oh, thank you for noticing. Nobody else noticed. And she zips it up. Well... That's and then there's also the thing of the photographer, which he's very notable and he seems to like have a look. Oh, yeah, they definitely lay a bunch of pipe that like the photographer is somewhat a little seedy because like he just has this kind of like hmm 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 look at him as he's taking photos and then he's clearly been in the hotel room to drop off the photo. Well, here's the other thing, yeah, so he's already been in the hotel room where the tiara was stolen, right? But also, Rob is the only one who has the key because obviously. Christy yes, is in a wedding dress, so she doesn't have anything. So she does. She has to her. ask. She has to ask Rob for the key to the hotel room. 
before she can go upstairs to use the restroom. So Rob is the only person with a key. Now, I think there's something else here. Mm -hmm. It's called Family Jewels. And I know I always get in trouble for trying to follow up with the episode name as like a (laughs) Some kind of indicator. An indicator of what's going on. Any any port in a storm. Okay. I I also think that they do something of a job on that in this show like they don't try to mislead you with oh the, they do the name it, it, of it, the episode it is, it is important okay sure. i think uh so this is my guess family jewels what is jason Priestley's daughter jewels. name jewels so i think this is a this is going to be an episode about family mm-hmm. we're going to be about mothers and daughters and i think and fathers and daughters i think that we have not been introduced to rob's daughter I think he has a daughter. Oh. Um, from another from another, coupling. Another marriage or another coupling. You're right. Yeah, yeah. And she is upset. And the tiara is not Christie's. It's not from her family. Right. Because otherwise, mom would have her hands all over that tiara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, so I think it's actually from Rob's family that the tiara comes from. That makes sense. And I think somehow she got the keys or like had had a relationship maybe with a photographer or got Ooh. made a relationship with a photographer in order that she could go in and get the keys from him and steal the tiara and that is who I think did it that is great the family member or daughter specifically we haven't met in league with the photographer to get it that is great cuz it's not cuz like this show this show likes to give you two suspects up front and then introduce somebody later on who's the actual person who did it. Yeah. So you this like this show is one of those they don't give you everybody up front. They they yeah they do they introduce the real villain about halfway through it. They've done it in every episode we've seen so far. So I agree with you. Like there's going to be somebody else introduced, and you're saying it's the daughter. Yeah, and I think that the daughter especially is ups- is upset about having a stepmother of and course. and about and Rob she knows giving- what happens she knows what happens to canadian mothers so she's not looking forward to that yep <laughs> yeah and she doesn't want rob to be giving his new wife this family this family thing, thing. yeah this, this especially important thing and then I, I don't know what the B story is going to be with Jason Priestley and his his daughter ex wife and daughter, or if there will just be it just be between him and his daughter, maybe. Well, the ex wife something's going to go on with the ex wife because she clearly has something that she needs to talk to him yeah, about. Yeah, and they they <gasps> what he's gonna she's gonna move out. No, He'll so move. maybe she's pregnant. No, they slept together two episodes ago. Oh, good. Family jewels. Family jewels. Plural. Plural. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. You know, they in the first scene mm-hmm. when she steps, you know, stops by his room when he's changing yeah. to go to the wedding, she is wearing a V-neck cashmere sweater and pearls. <laughs> and I was like, "What's up with those pearls?" <laughs> what, the, what pearls means that somebody is somebody's plotting something? Yeah. Yes. I well not that they're plotting something, but the, the costumer is plotting something. Like they're definitely trying to show something. Like when somebody's wearing pearls, they're like, She's a wife. She's a This is a tell. A family. You know, it me it has meaning. I don't mm-hmm. know yet what it's what it means, but it was like what so freaking out obvious. Like V neck cashmere sweater, like and pearls. 
Like, and not not like choker pearls, like droopy pearls. So they were definitely also probably like family. <gasps> it's a family Je- length, not Jessica, like a trendy Je- length. Jessica, you are making me look bad this episode. You are like <laughs> noticing all these things. I'm just like, what? What? And you're like, I'm going to tell you about the Porsche. I'm going to tell you about the pearls. I'm going to tell you about the zipper. You are ignoring all of these clues, my friend. I'm like, okay. <laughs> trying to call you out i know you weren't i'm just like i gotta up my game is what i'm saying okay well now you i I don't know i got nothing that's my point oh no you have to get something i will but man like heard you are killing it i i just don't know i mean like i said like i think there's going to be someone else introduced Mm -hmm. so i think the question comes down to like who else do we think can be introduced? Mm. And I think, like, family, weddings, who who else could we get in here? Like, do we think that, well, I think there's probably going to be a wedding planner. So, I mean, there's always, like, the wedding planner did it, which may be the most 21st century thing I think you could say about a murder mystery. <gasps> the wedding planner did it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so there's... There's the wedding planner, there's the cake person, there's the flower people, there's like, there's all these people that could be in there, but I don't think, I don't think they're going to go to all of them. So what if, what if back to the whole generational trauma of Canadian women, what if, maybe not the mother, but what if the Roberts family, like the father or the mother in there, they, they know that they're leveraged to the hilt. They know that this wedding is super duper expensive. Well, wait a minute. Traditionally, it's the bride's family who pays for the wedding. Right. But it sounds like I can't tell talking to them if like if they're saying that like Rob's family is rich or like Christy and Rob are rich or just like that side of the family is rich. I'm wondering. Yeah. Whoever's family has the money, I'm wondering if they're just leveraged to the hilt. Yeah. And they need to make some money fast because this stuff is expensive. Yeah. And so they decide to stage the theft of the tiara Mm -hmm. to collect the insurance money and keep the tiara or even for that matter, sell the tiara and get paid on both sides of things. Right. So I'm going to bet that you're going for daughter. I'm going to go for father. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go for father. The father will do anything in order to make his little girl happy have a happy wedding or family or, yeah, I, yeah i'm not even sure that it's necessarily about the little girl get the happy wedding as much as it's just like he is drowning in debt in general and like they're caught them mm. they're, they're caught in this system where everybody thinks they have money and they can't stop like they can't possibly admit that they don't have this kind yeah. of money so he's yeah. just trying to like Ooh, keep up a I front like and then he like yeah they go for fraud <laughs> with the tiara all right so i think we locked in our guesses are there yeah. any uh are there any parlay bets that we prop bets that we need to do with this? Um, well, I would have had us guess on the Porsche, but too late now. Yeah, too late you just, now. You just had to go and find out. Um, like how many nice suits is he going to show up in? Oh, sure, yeah. How many nice suits? Um, is he going to show up in a plaid tie? Because she gave him a plaid tie really early on to wear. I think it was her father's tie, mm. and he was like, "Plaid is not my thing." But then when he noticed that, kind of like made her like have feels. He was like. Look pretty good on me, as it turns out. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know that. So that could be something. Will they kiss? Yes. Yeah. Let's do that. Will they kiss? And if they do kiss, do we think that it will be like a? Will it be one of those like we have to do this to stay in character kisses? Yes. But then at the end of it, they're all like, oh, maybe there's something more here. 
Or will it be like an honest to God, like even right from the start, kabam, we're kissing, we're smooching. You I'm going to go for both. Ooh, they're going to do two kissings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Two kissings. Okay. Yeah. I think it's just going to be, I, if they do kiss, and I'm betting they do, but if they do kiss, I'm betting that it's still going to be a will they, won't they kind of ending to it where they like, they're, yeah. they're doing it in jest, but they're kind of like, maybe, but they're not Especially convinced. if we find out that his ex-wife is pregnant mm-hmm. and then he, and then mm-hmm. she sees them kissing. Oh. Oh no, this is going to be so awkward. It's very awkward. Mm, okay. All right. Well, we're, we're going to find out if all those things happen and watch along and uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah, we'll see you soon. All right, we are back. We have seen the episode. We know if we are right or wrong. And as I'm sure would surprise no one, we were very wrong. Well, you were kind of close, but again, no, no I wasn't. half points. No, I, how was I close? How do well, you think I was close? you said, oh, I guess in the end you were like, it's the dad. Yeah, I was like, it was the family. It was the rich family for insurance fraud. But for a while, you were saying it's somebody on the outside. Yes, for a little bit, we were like, we were talking suspects, and I was like, oh my, it might be, might probably has to be someone in the wedding party or the wedding vendors. So who are all the different people with the wedding vendors? Yeah. And guess what? It was. So we had it. Yes. We had it. We just turned away from it. We turned away from it. We're like, (laughs) no. No, I refuse to believe that the kind, nice people who are only helping a girl's dream come alive by giving her the best damn wedding of her life, I refuse to believe that they would pull any shenanigans. It's not a world I want to live in. Yeah, but... But unfortunately it's, it's the world it of private true. eyes it was true it was the yeah. band and it was, yeah. you know it even said it in the log line and I oh. should have known because it says in the log line if anybody needs a refresher a brazen jewelry heist throws Shade and Angie into the wild world of weddings and forces them to go undercover as an engaged couple in love why would they have to do that unless the people who are suspects are the vendors? Are the vendors? You're right. Otherwise, I mean, you don't have to do that. You don't have to go undercover with your family. You're right. You're right, Herd. We're just not paying attention to the clues. Yeah. We got so caught up on the fact that we do this without clues, we're not paying attention to the clues we got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. But it was a ton of fun. It was a ton of fun. This was yes. a great episode. I had mm-hmm. a lot of fun with this episode, and I didn't have to write 16 pages of notes this time around either. <laughs> so that's always good. That's give, a give, give my writing hand a little a little break there. So, are you ready? Are yes, you ready let's to just do dive? It. Oh, we haven't told anybody who oh. does yet. So, oh, okay. spoiler alert: we're about to tell everybody everything. So, yeah. this is your last chance. Turn back, ye of faint heart. But if you want a few laughs, keep going. And uh, <laughs> here we're going to tell you: it was the wedding band. It was the lead singer of the wedding band, and he was allied with the hair and makeup artist. Yes, Gary and Sherry. Yes, that was. That was adorable, too. It was. But I will say, okay, you're right. No half points. It was a good wrap-up for a, the end of the season. Yeah. Oh, and there was a fake kiss. Yes, but that's right. But there wasn't a real kiss. There no. was only a fake kiss. There was kiss. only a fake kiss, but it was that whole thing where it's just like, this is a fake kiss. We're fake kissing. But at the end of it, they're both just like, I don't know. That was a fake kiss, but 
Was it maybe real? Angie doesn't. She keeps brushing it off. She keeps brushing it off. But she, but he like doesn't. But, but they both came out of that kiss being all like, oh no, oh my goodness. Angie brushes it off, but she also she's a good actress. She lets you know that she really meant it. And besides, yeah. when they did the like. <laughs> <laughs> Your reaction to the kiss was fantastic. Oh, what did it they was, do? You were just like, you, the kiss happened and I was like, yes. And Jessica was like, she is eating his face. <laughs> she, she just went for it. It was so awkward <laughs> to me. It was so awkward, which was great because... It was for show. Like the photographer was like, I just right. want to capture you. I want to see how. I need to how, see your vibe. Yeah, our vibe so that we can see if we can work together because the wedding's supposed to, the quote unquote wedding is supposed to be in a month. And uh, he's like, so, you know, kiss each other. Let's see. I know. I really, I really need to feel you. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get yeah. To, we'll get to all that stuff and we'll talk about it. But in the meanwhile, there you go. Gary and Sherry, here we go. On with the story. We last left our heroes in the bridal suite with Christy, who has just discovered that the tiara is missing. Mm -hmm. She begs and pleads with Matt and Angie to help her find out who did this because she cannot disappoint Robbie and his family because she is from humble origins and they are Richie McRicherson. And she's the just Garvey's, like the Garvey's. Uh, the Garvey's are Richie McRicherson. Are, yeah. yeah. And she's like, she and said, the, and I was right. The tiara is his. It's from his Oh family. yes, absolutely. No, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You're totally right on that. And, but like she says, people like us don't marry people like the Garvey's. Oh, it's very yeah. chilling. Which will also, I think had a little bit of a, I mean, Angie took it in stride, but you could definitely, they, I liked the choice where it was a little dagger, a little yeah. bit of like a, ugh. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Or, okay. I know, I know exactly who we are. I'm like, not I offended, know, but. I'm not that, offended, but. It still doesn't feel good to admit that. Yeah. Or. No, no absolutely. To, to hear that. Do I have to hear that and to admit that? I get, but she takes it in and she's like, great. She agrees to help. Yeah. So they agree to help. And so the first thing they do is they figure out who had access to the room. There's the wedding planner. Ezra and hotel staff. So Matt goes to talk to Ezra using the ruse of that he needs to fill in the bride's diary of the yes, day. Yes, there's. I don't. What bride has time to like right? write down a diary of, of the, the day? Like exactly. <laughs> if anything, it would be. Yeah, no. That's why you hire a videographer, right? If you even need <laughs> anyway, a videographer, whatever. That's a yeah. good excuse. But it Matt, was a good MacGuffin, I guess. Yes. Or something. Matt's, Matt goes to Ezra. And says, look, I need to fill in the bride's diary and help her out. And Ezra gives him all the details about who went in and who went out. And I have to say, I loved Ezra. Oh, yeah. I loved Ezra so much. Ezra was perfect. Ezra walked, the, the actor playing Ezra and the character and everything, it walks this great line between absolutely recognizing how hot Jason Priestley is, but not caring at all. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, okay, you're very emasculated. Oh, but you're kind of smart up there, too. It's hilarious. Ezra is really committed to making sure that the bride has her best day yeah. ever. Yeah. Oh, Ezra says that he will sometimes sleep in He's the, the bridal suite. Coordinator. Yes. He will sometimes sleep in the bridal suite because people are arriving at all hours. And I, I was have like, to be there. Oh, what? He's dedicated. <laughs> yes. He's dedicated, super dedicated. And I loved him. So yeah. tell us all about him, Jess. Oh, well, so Ezra, the wedding planner, is played by Salvatore Antonio. 
And Great he name. was on Schitt's Creek as a writer and an actor. A writer? Oh, yes. wow. He played Antonio, the character who copies David's products with <gasps> David's former retail boss. Yes. Such a great episode. And is, you know, just a little bit like David. And right. so you're like, whoa, this is so weird. <laughs> so uncomfortable. He is hilarious. He's super hilarious. Yeah. And he's been in like a billion shows. He was also in a show called Mary Kills People, for which he was nominated for a Canadian Screen Award. And I'm going to bring up that show like a hundred times right during this episode <laughs> today because there are a lot of people involved in that show who were also involved in Private Eyes. He, he also was Saving Hope, Nurses, Republic of Sarah, Murdoch Mysteries, The Listener, MVP, which was, by the way, we'll talk about this later, MVP. Well, we'll just come back to that. But his start was on Goosebumps. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. And um, he- is my favorite actor. <laughs> yes. He teaches or taught at least acting for the camera for a number of years at the National Theater School of Canada, which is where he went, which is apparently is like the Juilliard of mm, Canada. Okay. And he is a playwright as well. And another thing about this episode that also ties in with him is that he, as the wedding planner, of course, has to have like a ton of style. Yes. And so much style. And we talked earlier about men's wear in this episode. Right. And the costuming. Oh my God. He is wearing the most amazing suits. And his second suit, when they run into him later, which we'll get to because he's kind of a suspect and so Matt is following him, but he runs into him leaving a pawn shop and Ezra is wearing this gorgeous, like, light wool suit. It's winter. It's winter-y. Maybe it's, yeah. like, late fall or something. And he's wearing this gorgeous light wool suit that has, like, a wool cape that is yes. kept in place yes. with this beautiful, huge brooch that is laid in with, like, blue sapphire, light blue sapphires. It, it sort of kind of looks like a, a Scottish, a thistle mm, a mm -hmm. little bit, except it's not purple, it's blue. It is, the whole outfit is so beautiful. And then his hair, oh my gosh. Ezra's hair is this gorgeous, like gray black with a mm -hmm. little bit of streakiness to it. It's not quite salt and pepper, either, yes. like it, but it, it is. It's black oh, kind of like streaks of gray. Yeah. So beautiful. So yeah, like this episode was uh, menswear beauty. Lots of beautiful <laughs> menswear Gorgeous wedding dresses, too. We saw, saw two wedding dresses in this, right. um, yes. in this episode. But yeah. Oh, and so all, all, also tuxedos. But yeah, great, great menswear in this episode and fantastic on Ezra. They could not have ended the season with a better capper costume. <laughs> okay, you've convinced me. Talk to me about the costumer. Tell me what's, who this was who was like sent you into paroxysms of delight. Okay, so costumer of this episode was Stephen Wright. He is currently on Coroner. Um, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. There is a there's literally a show called Coroner. Yes, and <laughs> oh, it wait. comes. It's also in a lot of a lot of people okay. are in this in this episode in this show are involved in that show. And yes, we should definitely see if we can yes. check that out somehow. Yeah, it is literally called Coroner, and. It, besides Private Eyes, Stephen Wright, the costume designer, has he's done a lot of things, but a majority of his career 
was spent on Haven and Degrassi, The Next Generation. Oh, okay. I liked, too, though, that you don't see this in a lot of folks' IMDb's, and like maybe he, maybe people have a lot of experience outside of IMDb that just doesn't get credited there, but he has a lot of assistant work, costuming, mm, wardrobe, mm-hmm. things that he's done, and so you can really see how he has worked his way Oh yeah, into okay. co- to being coming a full fledged costume designer, not like for a show, not just an assistant to somebody. And so I was like, "Bravo, good job!" All right, back to this episode. Shay gets the info that he needs about the vendors from Ezra and is about to go back up to the room. But before he does, he notices Nora, and Nora is looking very upset. She's feeling very down on herself and he tries to cheer her up, but she's like, I'm a lost cause. I'm hopeless. You only like me because I haven't disappointed you yet, but just give me some time. It's very like heartbreaking. And once again, like we're dealing with this generational trauma of like Canadian mothers. What is going on? If this keeps up, I'm going to have to add like Canadian mothers to my nightly prayer list. Good grief. (laughs) Meanwhile, though, Angie has ruled out that any hotel staff had access to the room. And that's when they realize that the safe wasn't broken into. Somebody knew the code and entered the code on the safe. Or someone knew how to reset the code. Matt goes to find the maintenance engineer who knows the code, the reset code. And he's super suspicious and he's sneaking out of the hotel, but only because he's stealing some catering. Apparently he loves the chicken. Of this particular caterer. This particular caterer, yes. (laughs) So that's a dead end. But I just, I want to pause for a moment here and and I want to unpack this sequence because this sequence is beautiful. I love it. There is so much to love about the sequence. It's (laughs) true. Listen to this. One, okay, I love the fact that like you're, if you're a human and you've stayed in a motel, you know that those safes can be reset and that those safes need to be reset every time somebody uses it because of course, how else would the code work? So like everybody knows this. So how do you have to make this special? Like, oh, I just realized this. They hide this information in a story Matt tells about how he was on the road for some hockey game, brought some puck bunnies back to his room, they had a drunken wild night, and somehow his underwear ended up in the safe. This story does so much. It's funny, first of all. Like, it's hilarious listening to this story. (laughs) And it's totally in character for Matt. So it's funny and in character. But it also positions Matt as smart and, like, possessing of some kind of, like, weird special knowledge. And, like, he's figuring things out. And he's the one who's finding the clues and advancing the story forward. And... It's specific to his specific past. It's not just that he's a human who's stayed in a hotel. He's a hockey player with a puck bunny or two. And that's also driving the action. From a craft standpoint, that sequence is awesome. Just like chef's kiss. So... Well done. Yeah. Max respect to the writers. Yes. So the writers on this episode, I I want to tell you about them because... There are a ton of women on this show. And in fact, all the credited writers for this show, there are 23 of them, 13 of them, fully more than half of the writers are women. That's a great ratio. And then not only that, the two creators that are credited for this show, one of them is Tim Kirby. And I mentioned his, his big piece that he created before this, and he doesn't have a lot of other IMDb credits, but he created a show called 
MVP, which I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. It was a 2008 show about fictional Canadian pro hockey team fans, wives, managers, coaches, oh, kind of like ballers, okay. it sounds like, mm-hmm. but... But about hockey, hockey yeah. So Shelly Erickson is the other creator. It's, uh-huh. it's Tim Kilby and Shelly Erickson. And Shelly is a very experienced producer, executive creative consultant, story consultant. She has The Order. She has The Imperfects, which is a currently a show that's happening. It's So here's the quick little bit on it, the logline. After an experimental gene therapy turns them into monsters. Yes. Three 20-somethings band together to hunt down the scientist responsible and force him to make them human again. I am so in love. I know. I read that and I was like, Jacob, we need to move to Canada so <laughs> that you can be a writer on this show. <laughs> Then there's also in her background a show called Blood Ties. There's Cold Squad, Bomb Girls. I mean, it goes on and on and on. She has a gigantic resume. The actual, I think, writers of this episode are Tara Armstrong and Marsha Green. Tara Armstrong. She is, and I mentioned this earlier, she had also created a show called Mary Kills People. So here's the logline for that show. Um, Um, I'm guessing it's about a person named Mary who has to go out and somehow kill people yes fabulous so she's kind of a it sounds like a florence nightingale she's a a florence night wait okay so but hold on okay i'll read it single mother mary harris is an er doctor by day but by night she and her partner a former plastic surgeon moonlight as underground angels of death who help terminally ill patients slip away on their own terms oh dear that does not sound light and fluffy at all no no but a ton of people who've worked on this show were also on on i saw this show i meant private eyes Eyes, have also worked on mary kills people and she's just fabulous a lot of awards on that show Yeah, well that i can imagine i mean that show like that show practically screams drama bait yeah yeah And then Marsha Green is a woman of color and her, oh my God, her resume, like, holy crap, so much cool stuff. She has also written for Coroner. Right. Which we all need to see. Sure. Which I'll give you the quick bit on that. The logline is a newly appointed coroner investigates a string of mysterious deaths in Toronto. Okay. I mean, that's... Yeah, sure. Uh, Okay, Okay. great. Also, she was a writer on ABC's 10 Days in the Valley she was an executive producer. Marsha Green was an executive producer on Mary Kills People with Tara Armstrong. And she also works in reality television and has done a bunch of stuff for Discovery and the Food Network. Yeah, so she's like so much stuff in her background. Like, balls writer. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So they know it's not one of the hotel staff. They're back to believing it's one of the vendors. Matt decides the best way to talk to all the vendors is to pretend to be engaged. So guess what, everybody? He proposes to Angie. Hooray. Right there at the wedding. Oh, Everybody's it's very standing soon. around. He puts the top of the, you know, the metal part of the champagne bottle. Yeah, the basket over the cork. That, over, yeah, puts that on her finger and gets down on one knee. And she, you can tell, like, there's this one shot where she's just like, <gasps> like scared, like literally scared, like as a person, Angie's scared. And then she, <laughs> next, next moment, next shot, she's all in. She's, she's in like it. playing the part. Oh, Oh my gosh, looking around at everybody like, pay attention, I'm getting engaged too. Oh my God. Everybody is super happy. And of course, I was super happy as well because I knew that meant that there was going to be a kiss, fake kiss. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So then they do a montage with all the wedding vendors, Ezra the planner, Gary the band leader, Sherry the makeup artist, Robert the photographer, and a couple others who you don't really have to know about at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Robert the photographer is the one who gets them to kiss. He's trying to like, as they're interviewing him, he's photographing them and he is like giving them massive shade. He's like, you know... I don't, I don't, I don't feel any kind of spark. I don't get a sense of who you are. I don't get a vibe of who you are. You have to really show me. You have to really, you know, show me the vibe. So just to go for a kiss and then they do, they eat each other's faces off. It's hilarious. <laughs> and I loved it. And I am not going to get an official point, but I am going to take in my heart. I know that I got a point because I knew that trope was coming. <laughs> <laughs> but since they're kissing, let's talk about Matt and Angie for a little bit. Just yes. tell us about the stars of our show. Yes, so Jason Priestley, if you have been living under a rock. <laughs> <laughs> or weren't even living, let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, that's true too. Besides the juggernaut that was Beverly Hills 90210, the original. The original, the he OG does actually one back in the early in 90s, the, early and mid 90s. Yeah, he was in the OG, but he actually does show up in the other one. Oh, okay. Um, he also has a ton of other directing credits, including this show. But... He was also recently in a show called Call Me Fitz, which looks fabulous. It's not a mystery. Oh, so, so we're never going to see it. It's high concept. It's high concept. Okay. Yeah. So a morally bankrupt car salesman is forced to become business partners with his inner conscience, an offbeat do-gooder. <laughs> nope. Nope. That's high concept. Oh, okay. Intent on healing Fitz's mangled psyche, one hilarious disaster at a time. Oh my God. It's like Herman's head. Oh, is it? Not really. It's, I just love the idea. I just love the whole like inside out Herman's head idea of like personifying all of the different aspects of somebody's personality and conscience. Yes. So. Yeah. But Jason Priestley plays the morally bankrupt car salesman. And so you get to see him in a lot of great costumes in that show, it seems like as well, because the video trailer, I was I'm like, beginning oh, to think, nice. I'm beginning to think that maybe it's not the costumes that you're attracted to. <laughs> I'm beginning to get the feeling that maybe Jason Priestley could wear just about anything or as little as possible, and you would be there for it. I probably would be. <laughs> but it's there he has he makes some really good choices in costumes. Okay. And and the, the costumers do do well for him. Fair <laughs> they, enough. they do a good job. Please go on. Talk um, through your blushing. It's okay. Cindy Sampson, she played a demon on Supernatural for a bunch of seasons. Oh, Supernatural okay. took a turn where they were yeah. like fighting demons because one of the brothers makes a deal with the devil kind of. To save the other brother and yeah. there's a demon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a complicated mythology, people. Go watch yes. Supernatural. <laughs> of course, she also did Hudson and Rex. That's the show with the guy with the, the yes. dog, which we talked about how yes. like probably freaking everybody in yes. Canada does Hudson and Rex. And it's not untrue. Like everybody has that we, in there. We, we need to throw that in rotation. Yeah. And she's done some Christmas movies as well. Although I will say, although we are not specifically talking about her right now, we're just going to check this off the list and say this. Yes. The woman who played, the actress, the woman who plays the makeup, um, the perpetrator, mm -hmm. this, yeah, the person Sherry. who steals, Sherry, who steals the, the tiara in Cahoots with Gary. That actress, I have never seen so many Hallmark movies in somebody's <laughs> resume. It's, it's like, 
after a, there's a certain point, like she did, she did like one and then two and then maybe three. And then all of a sudden it was like, she's just tons. She is a very regular feature in those Christmas, those Hallmark Christmas movies and Hallmark other movies. So uh, yeah, that's a uh, nice work. If you can get it, uh, go Good get job. it. <laughs> Good job. You. Oh, and I guess I should say her name, Brittany Bar- Bristow. Brittany Bristow. Yeah. She's done like 12 Hallmark movies. Wow. Yeah. Good job, Brittany. Yeah. All right. So they've kissed. Matt and Angie have to take a few minutes to calm down, lower the blood pressure. And that is when they learn that Christie's in-laws have called the police and the police already have a suspect and Angie is not going to like the suspect. Yeah. (laughs) So Angie goes to check it out while Matt heads home. At home, Matt learns that the reason Becca was being so nice is because now that she's back in town, Becca wants to go back to the old custody arrangement where Matt barely sees Jules at all. Like maybe like one weekend every month or something like that. And not only does she want to take Jules away from Matt, she wants Matt to be the one to tell Jules so Jules doesn't hate her. Matt, of course, is heartbroken over this. And here we are again, again, generational trauma of Canadian mothers. Who wrote this episode? Like, what? We know who wrote this episode. Ladies, what happened to your life? What's going on with you and your mom? Send your mom some flowers. Jeez, Louise. Or don't. You know, if you need to work through that, that's fine. Fair enough. Fair enough. I get it. I get it. Maybe, Maybe your mother is a con artist and you're drawing from a deep well of personal experience, in which case I wish you all the healing in the world. Yeah. Angie finds out that the police have brought in Nora as a suspect for the theft. She had access to the room, and she has an unexplained $10,000 in her purse. Angie gets super pissed. She's very hurt and upset with her mother, and she's just like, I'm done. I don't ever want to see you again. Detective Nolan, this is the hot guy who is Angie's on-again, off-again sexiness, says that, you know what? You need to take a break. You have a partner in your firm and Matt. Let's take a break. Let's take a sexy weekend out to San Lucia. Okay. So Derek Nolan, who is the detective, she she's going to be going away for some sexy times. Right, with, person of color. Is played by, and I'm not sure I'm pronouncing this right, it has an accent over the E. So is it Clay I think Bennett? it's Clay. I think it's Clay Bennett, yes. Bennett, okay. So yes, Private Eyes, definitely. He also was in Homeland for five episodes. He was in Designated Survivor. Aaliyah, the princess of R&B, which is a TV movie uh he was in rookie blue he was in beauty and the beast in 2014 of course he did murdoch mysteries who doesn't of course frankly i'm a little upset i haven't been on a murdoch mysteries yet (laughs) (laughs) but i do want to say this super exciting you will probably recognize him if you're watching some of the avengers stuff he is in the falcon and falcon and the winter soldier oh miniseries he played lamar hoskins slash battlestar so super exciting go check him out in that the other detective is play the character's name is uh curtis mezhari and it's played by ennis esmer and ennis is so fantastic to watch he's i mean Clay Bennett is, you know, he's sexy and he's Absolutely. he's there. He's super grounded. Rocks and, a Gucci suit. Yeah, rocks a Gucci suit. Ennis Esmer has all this comedy energy coming off of him, and it's just like ping, 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 ping. 
Yes. And it's so hard sometimes because they film him in like detective half light. In right. This yes. Police he's, he's department. all very dark blue. Yeah. Like dark rooms with blue monitor and light everywhere. He deserves fluorescent bright lights of an office because that is just like all his energy and soup, his sense of humor. I feel like mm-hmm. he he. But I say that. But then he was in 40, 47 episodes of Blind Spot, which is the show about that woman who like oh, shows yeah. up in New York City with all the with tattoos. All the tattoos. Mm-hmm. So he probably has been in a lot of half lighting for a while. <laughs> so I, I don't know why I would say that. Um, he was also on Schitt's Creek. He was on The Listener for 64 episodes. So a lot of fun. I can't wait to see him in more of these shows. Yeah. But speaking of listening, Matt comes down to the station and Curtis Mazzari gives him the little family history on why Nora is so awful. Matt hears it, but isn't ready to give up on her. He goes to talk to Nora and learns, as we mentioned earlier, that she hooked up with the photographer in the room. That is why she was in there. But he also learns that she had 90 days sober from gambling on the wedding day. She was going to let Angie know that as a present, but Angie treated her so badly that she got very down on herself and she relapsed. She relapsed and immediately found a poker game and just unexpectedly won $10,000. So that is why she had the money and why she feels so flippin' bad about herself. Matt promises to clear her. He goes to talk to Angie, but Angie is drunk AF. He tries to convince her that Ezra did it because Ezra also had access to the room, but she wants nothing to do with it. So fine. Matt goes out on his own. He follows Ezra to a pawn shop and confronts him. This is when Ezra is fabulous in this suit. I mean, like stunning. Like Jessica is not lying. Like objectively, all the men in this show are dressed beautifully. Like if I had like the style out the window, it's great. Ezra defends himself. He's not trying to sell the tiara. He's trying to find it because this is the second time this has happened to him. So now Matt really knows. To to one of the weddings. To one of the weddings. Yeah, to one of the weddings that he's worked. You're right. So now Matt is like, it has to be one of the vendors. So he goes back and with Angie and they try to figure out who did it. Well, actually, Angie's not quite on board yet. Angie is still drunk in her office and Don comes in. Don, remember, is Matt's dad. He's looking for Matt because he's sure that Matt is going to be upset over the whole Becca custody thing. Don gets through to Angie. Angie decides she needs to support Matt about the custody. So she tracks him down to suggest that maybe he protect Jules from just how horrible mothers can be. Finally. Finally, people looking to solve this generational trauma. We can do this, Canada. We can do this. Matt and Angie decide they need to narrow down the suspects of the vendors, and they realize it has to be Gary and Sherry. Gary's the wedding singer. Sherry's the makeup artist. They're working in concert. See what I did there? Ah. Anyways, Matt and Angie go to confront Gary and Sherry at another wedding that they're working slash stealing at and manage to catch them just before they rip off another newlywed couple. Christy's marriage is saved. Nora is in the clear. And now with our criminals finally captured, Jessica... Tell us about their credits. Okay, so I did already talk about Brittany Bristow, um, the makeup person. She is an actor, writer, producer, and she's been in like 12 Hallmark movies in the last couple of years. She's got the punch card. Yeah. And then Nakeem Provo, who plays Gary, the wedding singer, he is listed in IMDb as an actor and model from Toronto, Canada, and he began his acting career at age 11 in Total Recall. Mm. Uh, he's also on a show called Shadow Hunters, 
and another show called Sports Lab. Recently, he's been on Handmaid's Tale and Batwoman. So back to the family relationships. Nora apologizes to Angie and for breaking her gambling sobriety, but Angie shows a little mercy. She doesn't rake Nora over the coals. She in fact encourages her. She says, look, you did it 90 days. That means you can do it again. So Angie now believes in Nora and that relationship is on its way to be healed, which thank God. So now that she's earned redemption, she's also earned a little credit. Tell us all about Nora, Jessica. Yes, yeah, so Nora is played by Mimi Kuzik. She is of Ukrainian descent. She mm-hmm. was a ballerina and originally and then moved to acting and then moved to L.A. when she was younger. And she did a lot of work there, but then her breakout role was Sergeant Patsy Mayo on Hill Street Blues. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then her career just took off. Yeah, that was a huge show. My yeah. goodness. She was on Love Boat, Remington yes, Steel, yes. Murder, She Wrote. All the 80s. Give LA them all Love. to me. Yes. Doogie Howser, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then after a time, she moved back to Toronto and has been working there a lot. The Listener, Murdoch Mysteries. And oh, my favorite. She was recently on Unreal, the show that's sort of oh. like The Bachelor. Yes. The, all behind the, back, the scenes. Behind the scenes, thing, yeah. but still fictional. So since we're talking about mothers and daughters, I did also want to read this last line or last couple lines in her about page on IMDb. It says about Hill Street Blues, this show was undoubtedly the making of Mimi's career, but she considers her greatest achievement to be her daughter, Calliope. Oh, that is adorable. (laughs) Yes. Okay, Canada. I have some hope for you and your mothers. (laughs) That, thank God. Oh, good. Okay, well, speaking of relationships, we'll close up all the relationships here. Matt goes back to the office, starts to clean up the murder board now that they've found the person on it. Uh, But Angie hasn't left yet. She's still there. Angie gets down on one knee and she asks him to be a full partner in the PI firm. (laughs) So their relationship is back together. He agrees. And they all, there's some weird will they, won't they energy around all of this. But before they can kind of explore that, Derek Nolan shows up and Angie's off for her sexy weekend with him. I One other person that we I want to talk about is really fun is the writer of The Code, which this oh, show the, is based right, on. Yes. So it's inspired by the novel The Code by G.B. Joyce or Gare Joyce. And his work has appeared in every publication from the New York Times to the Canadian Hairdresser. That's definitely like his yes, bio. that's definitely his. Yeah. yeah, he's written about sports for 30 years. At ESPN, he says, over an eight-year stretch, I focused on hockey, but also wrote a- about the gamut of perspiring arts, which <laughs> I have never heard that oh, phrase before. That is I genius. Love I love it. He has written about a dozen books and novels, uh, nonfiction and fiction, including the Brad Shade Mysteries, mm-hmm. which this Matt, is one. Matt is, I'm, I still stand Matt. Okay, I like Brad. The first of which is The Code. Second one is called The Black Ace. And the third one, ironically, is called The Third Man. <laughs> um, he's also written a book called Future Greats and Heartbreaks, which is a year undercover in the secret world of the National or the NJL Scouts. So National Hockey National League. Junior League. Junior League, yeah, yeah. And I thought that was funny because that was basically the pilot. Oh of yeah, you're right. This episode uh-huh, uh-huh. of the show. And then when the lights went out, 
how one brawl ended hockey's cold war and changed the game. Sounds really interesting. Oh, that does sound fascinating. His Twitter is Gare Joyce NHL. So yeah, he's he's fun and alive. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike some of the other, you know, Agatha Christie's or Right, um, right. You know what else is not alive? Who? Our win streak. We haven't gotten one oh, right. I don't think we have we gotten one so right this season dead right yet? now. Yeah, we're we're like <laughs> Pull miss. miss. Pull miss. I do. We have to take this more seriously. Do we need to like buckle down and really just be like, no, this time we're gonna get it right. Hell no. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, what, am I supposed to say yes and also no? <laughs> yes, yes, but no. Yes. All right. Well, we will try again next time, anyways, and we yes, hope you will we'll join keep us. Trying. Yes, right. We'll keep trying. I can do it. <laughs> All right. See you then. I'm Jacob. I'm Jessica. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And now we want to hear from you. Tell us your guesses, your scores, your insider info, your favorite logic cop catches, and your suggestions for what shows we should watch next. Follow us and join the fun on Twitter at ClueDunnit. Or on Instagram and Facebook at ClueDunnit Podcast. Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out. Because watching TV is always, always better, better with, with friends. friends. Sometimes you read and they're like, don't for God's sake ever fertilize during blah, 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 blah. blah, blah. What are you raised by wolves? (laughs) I'm sorry. I dislike the plant. Why can't I have pretty plants? Pretty, pretty plant. That sounds like a 1980s kids uh, cartoon. Pretty, pretty plants. (laughs) It does. It's the My Little Pony Hour, followed by Pretty, Pretty Plants.